This is Doing Good Through Food. My name is Alex Coffin, and today I'm sitting down with Giles Kibbins. Giles is the founder and chief executive of Good Business, a consultancy that helps organisations to be more progressive. Um, their work covers a wide range of areas, including behaviour change, consumer research, and social brand marketing, but it's, it's always about driving positive change for organisations and the society of which they're a part. Um, Giles also founded the Sustainable Restaurant Association um, out of the belief that meals served out of home can do good as well as taste good. The association provides consultancy, training and benchmarking to the food service sector to help make that happen. The association gave birth to the Food Made Good community, which connects chefs, restaurateurs, marketers, foodies and so on, uh, to help make food good. And every month they focus on a single mission to make it easy for food businesses to come together and work towards a shared goal. Um, in addition to being the CEO of Good Business and Director of the SRA, Giles, Giles chairs a not-for-profit behaviour change company, is the Director of British Power Orchestra, and trustee of a not-for-profit collective addressing taboo social issues, so all in all an extremely busy man. Um, very unthrilled we were able to find time to meet Giles. Welcome to Doing Good Through Feed. Hi, Hi Alex, nice to see you. There's a lot of stuff that we can talk through there. Mm. I just thought I'd uh, sort of paint a picture for anyone listening. We're sat in your offices, which are in Soho, in the heart of Chinatown, above a restaurant, no less. Yep. Um, I just thought I'd ask, why, why did you choose to, to set up <laughs> your office here? Why did I set up my office? Um, well, um, I was very fortunate in the um, late 80s, early 90s, when I left university to get a job at um, a small... Uh, advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, where I um, plied my trade for a number of years. Mm. And um, it was then that I uh, realised the power and intoxication that comes with being uh, living and working near Soho. And as a result, I have never left its shores. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we sit uh, in the southern part of Soho. Yes. Uh, and Chinatown, but still attached to Wardour Street because yes. we're actually on the corner of Wardour Street yeah, uh, and Gerrard Street, mm-hmm. um, where my office has been for the last 20 years. I see. And do you, what effect do you think that's had on the business, the way it's developed? I mean, if it had been, if you'd been based, you know, a consultancy over in Mayfair or, mm. or something to that effect, it might have been quite a different, had a different feel, I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel uh, to, on, on two points. One is uh, the sort of the cultural openness, uh, the diversity, um, the sense of fun and creativity that comes from the, the sort of place in which you, the area in which you work. And secondly, people wanting to come here. Mm. So, you know, we're a small organisation, um, so we need to find reasons for people to want to work here. Mm. And therefore, being in a, an interesting and engaging place in the centre of town uh, I think is an incredibly important part and clients want to come here too so yeah. most of the time when you're in a small uh, company you actually have to go to them because they're the, they're, they they own the cojones mm-hmm. um, for us uh, actually people go oh, well maybe I'll come to you you know, yeah. and maybe we can go out for a quick bite to eat <laughs> whilst we're there so that they don't have to have some disastrous meal in some awful depressing canteen Mm. on an industrial estate so uh, it served us extremely well and I'm gonna I'm standing by Soho as everyone goes west east north and south we are still here (laughs) yeah Yeah. absolutely and 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 to that point I, I still think that the innovation and creativity in Soho restaurants is uh just beyond uh you know the the pale is mm. absolutely amazing how people continue to find new and interesting ways to offer delicious food to uh, uh the, the the uh public of, of soho so i i salute and celebrate the soho restaurant trade fantastic it's quite it has quite it's changed quite a bit over the years. I mean, I... I uh, oh, not, not as not much to, as you think. No, no, it's no, no. no. It is, you know, there's the odd Starbucks. Uh, and yes, of course, it, it is, you know, slightly depressingly um, sort of smartening up. But I mm. think it, it needed a little bit of that. And actually, there is an, a, 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 a nice underbelly of, of the same old mm. Soho mm. going on. You just have to look a bit harder or know where to go. So Find someone who knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry too much. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, um, I wanted to kind of just, I think, dive in and just talk about good business, really, yep. as, as sort of a start. So you, um, you know, I, I sort of explained it a bit in, yep. the, in the intro, but um, a, a consultancy, you do a lot of work helping uh, 
businesses to change and to sort of draw out their social purpose and, and mm-hmm. um, in, sort of engage in that kind of way. When you first meet with a company, yeah. um, a, new, a new client, what does, what's the process? What are you looking to find from them? I'm trying to find out what uh, sort of who they are, mm. what they really they're really trying to do, and um, what's getting in the way of them being a more successful business. Because actually, first and foremost, uh, when we talk about being a good business, you can't mm. be a good business if you're not a successful one. Um, And so what we're trying to do is align where we believe that an organization can change its social and environmental behaviors, communicate that then to its stakeholders or its consumers or or its employees or whoever it may be, and in doing that, solve those challenges that it's Mm. facing. So we have a a sort of very long-held and I I think proven belief now Mm. that if an organization is in line or slightly ahead of the people who are working there, the people who are um, uh, buying its products, the people who are in the communities in which it's serving, mm-hmm. then people will come towards those organizations. And, mm-hmm. want, and, and that is a very moving feast. Mm-hmm. If an organization sits and says, well, this has worked right. before, we all know what happens. It, mm-hmm. it becomes outdated. Um, and so, what we're trying to do is help organizations move progressively in the direction that society is going in order uh, that they can uh, be a more successful uh, organization and have uh, the benefits that come from that. So there's too much done in the world of responsibility and sustainability Mm -hmm. that I think is trying to stop organizations be more successful. Uh, you must regulation. You must do this. Right. You must be that. You mm. must give money here, etc. And that—that's not the approach that we've had in the last twenty years. Our, mm. Ours is a strong belief that by identifying strategic areas where it makes sense to go further than um, others, you can then differentiate yourself, and by doing that, mm. um, you can be a more successful business. Um, and so, so it, it's um, it's a it's a trade that we've now applied nearly for twenty two years, uh, and um, we're still here, small but beautifully formed, but still here. Oh, sorry, do do companies kind of come to you with generally come to you with quite a sort of clear brief, a clear idea of what they want to do? Do they do they come here or is no? So, you tend to well, work up in, increasingly. Yes, because the world is, is sort of getting yeah. to that point um, where I think there is a general acceptance in business now that the way you behave is important right. to how you how successful you're going to be. I think our, our philosophy has been sort of accepted more broadly. Certainly in the early days, that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, and so we would um, talk to organizations and try and sort of understand, as I say, what their challenges are and then sort of help them realize how by changing the way they did things or the way they behave that that could have an impact on Mm -hmm. what they said and how they did it. Um, So I think that obviously things have moved quite a long way. Um, I mean, uh, I I remember in 2001, um, it's worth saying that our clients split into sort of two main categories. Okay. Um, Those that are really bad. Right. (laughs) and need to be good to, to survive. Yeah. And those that are really good who want to be leaders. Okay. So uh, we, we have sort of, we're, not, we're less busy in the middle. Um, and uh, to, to that point uh, in 2001, when McDonald's mm. ca- uh, was having a seriously uh, bad time in the UK, McLibel, yes. um, product issues, you name it. You know, there was a, uh, a, a litany of, of terrible um, outcomes from the business um, we came together with a consultancy and proved to the McDonald's board that they were losing 120 million pounds a year simply by people being too embarrassed to walk into a McDonald's wow. and they took that on they said we need to transform this business um, actually funny enough Steve Easterbrook was the CEO for the UK then he's mm. now the global CEO funnily yes. enough um, and <laughs> we help them in the transformation plan um, to uh, focus on the food, largest uh, uh, investor in free-range eggs, um, fair trade, Mm. coffee, uh, etc., milk, 
uh, free range pork now, uh, local beef, mm. and then focusing on uh, training and support for their uh, staff uh, and totally sort of inside out transformation for that business. Was the sort of aesthetic change at McDonald's part of that? Yes, that was. was. That was certainly part that we have to, if we're going to transform, we've got to put a new picture. Mm. Now, I'm sure many of your listeners will go, well, McDonald's is still pretty awful or what, you know. But if you think where it came from, Mm. uh, if you think that uh, the, you know, proportion of people that now go there for, you know, a coffee in the morning with their organic milk, Mm -hmm. uh, their fair trade coffee, uh, drop in for a chicken wrap, you know, this is not just a burger and fries organization anymore. And uh, it it has come a a hugely long way. Uh, Could it go further? Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, But uh, is it better than it was? Undoubtedly. So we help organizations to sort of go in that process and see how they can, what those changes would do to to, um, uh, enable them to transform. So that, McDonald's, that was an example of sort of one in, in trouble, really. It's yes. At that point, although obviously it's a monstrously successful business, yeah. but, but that was a sort of a, a turnaround kind of a project. How Would it look very different, the, the process that you went through, if, if you had a, a high flyer? A, a recent one that caught my eye was the um, Innocent um, Buy One, Get One B. Yes, I mean, that, gosh, that, I mean was they, quite, they, that was quite a long time ago now, but um, when Richard and the boys were still, yeah. still owning it. Um, mm. Yeah, we, um, uh, Richard Reed, who the founder mm. of Innocent, was also in advertising. Um, right. And um, in 98, mm. which was two years after we had set up Good Business, he came to see us and said he had this idea, which was to mush up a whole load of fruit, mm-hmm. put it in this bottle and sell it for £2.50. And uh, he thought it was a really good thing to do. and It was a good business. And that's why he came to see us. And um, Steve, mm. my partner then, and I looked at him and laughed right. <laughs> heartily and went, good for you, mate. Yes, Slapped him on the back and <laughs> off he went. Uh, and then uh, Did quite well 15 years yes. later, I think yeah. he sold it for about £100 million. <laughs> um, but uh, we... We supported Richard and the team over those first 10 years and um, really thinking about how how deep um, a set of values could mm. go. Um, and that was it's such an important point in terms of being a good business. This isn't about, you know, um, sort of icing on the shit, mm. uh, as they say. It's, it's that every time you peel back a layer of the onion, you need to feel the same sense of values that, you, that you're being communicated on and the outside. sort of come from the ground up, I guess. You can't... Absolutely. And it. people, funny enough, they, the, 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 the organisation that people say that more than any other is John Lewis. Mm. It's like, we, however deep you go in John Lewis, mm. uh, and, and we've been pretty deep right to, you know, farms in Kenya where they're uh, supporting the local school and, and, and mm. you realise that Waitrose Foundation has been sort of part investing in it. Yeah. I mean, really, as, as, as deep as you can go. And so how do you do that as a small growing business mm. where you don't have much money? Uh, and we worked with Innocent to sort of really help them think about how do we how do we run a customer services phone line mm. with the values that we you know are expressing in the rest of the organization mm. and they created the banana phone and they they really communicated it because they wanted people to call it so rather than it being a customer service line which was full of complaints it was yeah. like well if you're happy call us too <laughs> you know tell us and mm. and and then they had really fantastic policies about people Young people get calling up, really sweet calls, and they always always answered them, mm. always sent them some product. And just there was a feeling on that phone, which was exactly the same mm. as you would get in any part of that organization. And I guess by, by sort of getting those values clear enough, the people picking up the phone would understand. It's not something that just sort of lives in the, right. in the mind of the... No, no, that's it. That's, and and yeah. how important that is, is, mm. that, is that, you know, every person you employ needs to get it every part of the business mm. every partner of that business needs to be imbued with the same set of values in order for it to be authentic and real mm. and that's when it really works that's mm. when 
customers get it and go, no, I get, I really get this. This is not mm. just bullshit. This mm. is this what is, a group of people actually believe. And, and I think Innocent did that. Obviously, people then say to us, ah, oh, well, they sold out, you know. And, and I, you know, I'm not here, you know, to, to try and defend the riches of, uh, of three founders. Um, but actually, the truth is that that business was an incredibly difficult business to make money from. Mm. Um, 75% of the cost of the product was in making the product. It, mm. it was just, there was just no margin, no margin in yeah. it and, and incredibly difficult to grow. And they met with Coca-Cola, who had a commitment to want to create, to be the number one um, smoothie uh, company in Europe mm. and were willing to invest millions and millions of pounds regardless of needing to make a profit in right. the short term. And therefore, they sold it. And as you can see now, I mean, Innocent, if you go to Germany, if you go to, you know, Austria, yeah. you will see Innocent <clears throat> as the smoothie and fruit uh, drink brand in Europe. Uh, and there are a lot more young people drinking those drinks mm. uh, than would be if it was just the founders sitting there. So sometimes I think partnering with a larger organization, whilst retaining some boundaries around the way that organization runs, it is run as a separate organization. It's got its own chief executive, it's mm -hmm. a, but it is owned by Coke and it's using the muscle of Coke in order to get them out there. I mean, something like distribution is, is not... Right. Is, is very and so, so I think it's a... Uh, you know, it's an interesting lesson. We, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about how good businesses, uh, can they merge with less good businesses mm. and ma maintain their goodness in the mind of the consumer and uh, 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 continue on. And I think that is possible. Ben and Jerry's Unilever is probably another example. Mm. Um, but it's incredibly important that those values are preserved and, um, and held to. Mm -hmm. rather than them just getting lost into the sort of corporate behemoth that that bigger organisation may be, mm -hmm. which people would say, for example, L'Oreal and Body Shop happened. So there wasn't enough delineation between mm -hmm. those two. Do you ever find companies that are coming to you either sort of explicitly or maybe kind of, you know, after, after a bit of questioning that they are looking for just that veneer? That they are that they're sort of not they're not they're not really interested in turning around mm. a business. It's I mean a sort of term like greenwashing. Yes. Might yeah, say, yeah. You know, do you do you, have you ever had that? I mean, of course. Are there, are there people definitely you've had to say no to? Um, I mean, our view has always been to try and turn a tactical opportunity into a strategic one. Mm. Um, I mean, firstly, if someone's prepared to put some money into something that's interesting and, and changes or they mm. invest money in a project that sits outside their business, as in they're not really interested in transforming their business, but mm. they're quite interested in investing in, in, in an initiative or something, mm. then, you know, let's take that money. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Let's do it. Do let's go for it. Thing. And let's use that relationship to try and engage that business to think about what they're doing and how mm. they're doing and how they might be able to do that better how they may be able to use the strengths and resources of their organization to actually affect change in a different way. And the, 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 the huge benefit that that may be able to be over and above them just mm. sort of writing a check to someone else to be the good player within it. So, you know, I'm, I, you know, I don't turn money away because mm. I think that if we don't, who, who else, you know, they'll, they'll who, who else is, yeah. uh, you know, and we try and use that if, if it, if we really feel they're being unutterably cynical, um, you know, we probably wouldn't take that money. Mm. Um, um, but you know what? One of the things I come back to again and again is I've rarely, rarely come across bad people. Mm. I think that businesses <clears throat> can end up being bad, either because they, they're not thinking about the impacts mm. that they may be having, you know, be it you know, the supplier in China is just so far away and there's two, you know, layers of suppliers happened, yeah. that they're not even thinking about it. And that absolutely happens and it should not. So um, I think there's a sort of level of ignorance that sometimes allows bad things to happen. And then secondly, I think that cultures can create bad outcomes. 
So even with good intentions, well, well, just, you know, well, good intentions meaning we want to keep this company going. We've got to make it work. Mm. You know, we've got to come together. How are we going to? You know, you've got to make your results. You've got to get your sales this year, and then therefore they're a bit under pressure. They then decide to do stuff that's underhand, and then it doesn't. You know, but that yeah. that individual in themselves is not a bad person, mm. and so I do think it's worth you know through the process of just sort of helping people really think about sort of what's going on mm. and, and how they might be able to do it differently and how they can see a positive way out of the situation they're in. Um, and, and I believe they can. It doesn't always work. Mm. And maybe I'm just an eternal optimist. But I do think that I, 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 I still stand by there are not that many fundamentally bad people who, who gain pleasure out of being a bad business just mm. for the pursuit of profit. It's a good thing to remember generally, isn't it? So politics and everything else, yeah. sort of the way they are in the world. It's uh, most people believe they're doing things for the right reasons. They I tend to think certainly. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, are there are there sort of particular questions perhaps that you would start to ask? So if there's somebody listening, a, a business, a small small business, or uh, you know, who might who wants to perhaps think a bit more about how they about the social value that they have, or sort of you know how they communicate that to other yeah. people. Are there sort of lines of questioning or particular questions that you sort of you would start you'd maybe sort of recommend so they could start yeah. investigating it a bit well there's really two sides to that the, the first is a sort of quite a higher order question which is sort of why what, mm. what, what are we doing here what what's the I know this sounds a bit theoretical but what's the additionality to society that we are doing mm. and, and sometimes it's always worth turning that question around and saying if we weren't here mm. what would be missing right um and and can we sort of get at what our our real purpose is mm. uh here and i think that's quite an important question because i do think we run especially in the food world very busy lives mm. uh especially in a restaurant of which i have had um probably spending most of the time wor working out why the pot washer has still hasn't turned up and it's 11 o'clock and the chef's going psycho. Mm. Um, um, and therefore, it is difficult to sort of sit back and say, what, what, what are we really trying to do here? What, what do we think? What's the impact that we think we can have on the world by, by through this business? And I do think that's important. And I think it's important to have that conversation with the people in the organisation as well. This isn't sort of one person having a think about this. This is, yeah, you know... What are we, as a group of people, bringing to the party? And, and that is an interesting question. And I think that will take you in a direction that, that um, uh, is a positive one. And then the second thing is trying to sort of separate out the business to say, well, what are the impacts that we have? You know, do we know where the food that we're procuring comes from? Do, you, do, we, do we think it would be positive if we did know where, where, where that came from? Um, uh, you know, how do we treat each other as employees? You know, do we are we helping people feel safe and secure so that they can innovate and be creative and 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 be supportive, mm. um, not only within the business but outside? Are we taking care and um, respect for the community around us? You know, we only are there as a business if that. Um, community sees us as a positive force mm. within it, etc. So, sort of think about all the component parts and sort of and go. Uh, you know, are we uh, are we aware of the impacts and could we do something different? It's not about cost always. Mm. It's more about um, sort of giving yourself time to sort of think about those and think about if you change them, the impact that that may have and, and, and the positive that, um, that could come from it. Mm. Could, could we maybe talk a little bit about the Sustainable Restaurant Association? Yes, because absolutely. obviously as a consultancy, you're, you're sort of dealing with probably a range of sizes of companies, but you sort of individual companies, mostly large, mostly very larger large companies yeah. with, with budgets to, to yeah. engage in that sort of way. The, the sort of the motivation for the Sustainable Restaurant Association did maybe you could just sort of explain where yeah, that come where absolutely. that came from. Um, so I'll go right back to the beginning of good business, um, and it, it's difficult perhaps to put yourself in this position. But in 1996, when we started uh, good business, the sort of concept of good business was a fairly alien idea. You know, we were in the middle of 
um, sort of anti-globalization. Um, you know, there was the sort of Nike sweatshop <laughs> stuff going on. Yeah. Um, you know, businesses uh, were sort of uh, pretty um, sort of uh, pushing people away in terms of sort of the, the kind of this area, if I'm mm. honest. Um, and, and so our message was was a difficult one to communicate because it's like, oh, yes, no, no, we do some nice charitable work on the side. Why don't, you know, we're nice people. Look at this. We give some money to charity. Look, aren't we nice? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, how are you running this business? Are you running a good business? That's what people are interested mm-hmm. in. And so um, uh, my mother uh, um, is, a, is a chef. Uh, she had her own restaurant. Um, uh, she cooked for Ringo Starr for many years. Um, and so food is sort of in my blood, I suppose. Um, and I felt very strongly that a restaurant was perhaps the most powerful and immediate way that I could persuade to our clients what I meant by being a good business. Mm. You walk into a restaurant, you're met by a person who represents that community. Um, you you eat the food that has been procured from that local area. Mm. Uh, the building that it is in could be of, of some social benefit, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and and you so you go oh I see. So the elements that make up this business lead to it being a good business, mm. and that if it's that's positive, then people are more likely to come to it. Right. So we set up and launched uh, a restaurant with a chef called Allegra McEverty, um, who's still going strong today, um, wonderful lady, uh, a restaurant called The Good Cook. And it was in the Tabernacle, which is a community centre in Power Square in Notting Hill. Uh, and uh, it was the sort of before 15 and Jamie Oliver's uh, social restaurant. Um, but our restaurant was much deeper socially than 15. So 15 did a great job. It, it, it recruited um, kids from the wrong side of the tracks and gave them fantastic training and set them on their way. Um, that was really only one part of what we did. So we worked with the Portobello Trust to um, recruit and train long-term unemployed in the local area to be our service serving staff. It was obviously in a community centre. We committed always to have low-priced food as well as higher-priced food. So it became that there was a, a democracy in terms of the food itself. All the food procured came from the local market, Portobello Market, food market. Um, and we held a number of community events and also supported uh, the schools under a thing called the um, Cooks for Schools programme, where we went into schools and, and did after-school clubs. Um, with our chefs um, to inspire uh, young people to uh, be able to cook. Uh, so we launched it um, and uh, it was, uh, we got um, uh, not quite winner, what was it? I think we were runner-up in Time Out's uh, Restaurant of the Year in 1998, which was our sort of highest accolade. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend that it was a particularly successful restaurant financially. <laughs> uh, we had lots of challenges. Um, uh, we were sort of working through the model. But I think it was a, as emblematic of what I think the restaurant sector could do. And in that time, we brought all of our potential clients from Good Business to the restaurant so that they could understand it. Mm. So we used it as a shop window for Good Business. Um, we closed in 98, 99, I can't quite remember. And... Um, I um, vowed never to open another restaurant, as many people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was left with this sort of nagging doubt of why Why did I try and make one restaurant super sustainable? Mm-hmm. Um, why don't I try and make every restaurant a little bit more sustainable? And I felt I couldn't do that um, within good business because of the size issue. Um, and I, I also felt we were working at the time with Tesco um, that the retail sector was actually moving further, faster forward in relation to sustainability, and the restaurant sector was actually getting left behind. Mm-hmm. So you would go and buy yourself a free-range chicken at, at, at Tesco, and then you'd go and spend £15 at Carluccio's on a chicken Caesar salad, but actually that chicken was battery chicken. Now, I felt that if the consumer knew that that was a battery chicken, they would be horrified. Mm. So... 
there was this sort of dissonance that was happening because the restaurant sector didn't have the people and the thought and the and the action to be able to sort to realize that these were important areas that they needed to solve and so um i went uh, and saw um two great friends of mine henry dimbleby who ran Di- Le- leon mm-hmm. um and Mark Sainsbury, who was then uh, owner of Morrow, uh, a wonderful restaurant um, in Shepherd's Market, um, and persuaded them that we needed to create a not-for-profit uh, that would help each and every restaurant in this country um, on the journey to a more sustainable uh, future. Mm-hmm. That we would uh, then audit them and uh, give them a mark, like a Michelin star for sustainability. <laughs> in order to help consumers make more um, uh, aware decisions about where they uh, ate and um, uh, based on their sustainability, not just on how good, you know, the, the kind of the latest review. Um, and and we, we started that eight years ago. Um, uh, we now have 6,000 restaurants, mostly still in the UK. Um, it's changed um, the, the way we do it and how we do it, and uh, uh, but fundamentally it is still the same basic idea, which is that we're trying to support the restaurant sector to change its behaviour in order to help it be more successful. And by doing that, challenge our diners to think more about sustainability when they go back into the home and change the way that they're, they're cooking, buying, cooking and uh, eating. Uh, so... It's not just in the restaurant sector. That's what's mm-hmm. so interesting for me. There's there's an impact that had on the dining public as well. There's a, there's not really a similar thing, perhaps in retail, an easily understandable mark. You know, something that explains quickly. Sort of in, you know, the sort of food ingredient labelling, the sort yeah. of traffic light type yes. labelling. Obviously, that had had a huge impact in in the retail sector. But there's nothing. It, it seems like there's almost too many individual marks to to me. You know, in yes. in retail, you've got you know, fair trade and yeah, um, obviously being the sort of most well known one. But it, I think I, I looked into it recently. So I saw sort of four hundred plus different accreditations just in the UK for, right. for various things. I know, and, and this this is it's a real challenge yeah. here. And I'm going to be really honest. I don't know the answer to mm. this at the moment because I think we believed that having one simple uh, uh, mark that represented the, the all sustainability issues, and just to be clear mm. within the audit, 50% of the audit is around the provenance of the food, mm. 25% is about the environmental performance of the restaurant itself, and 25% is about the social impact on staff, consumers, and the local community. Right. And so the idea is that there is no such thing as a a sustainable restaurant that looks the same as the one next door. Because mm. if you're in the city, it's different to if you're in the countryside, if yeah. you've got, you know, if you're on a farm versus if you're at the top of a, you know, a skyscraper, if you're Japanese, if you're English, you know, there, there are sort of so many variables. There's no such thing as one sustainable restaurant. So we have... 78 different indices that we work with the restaurant to identify how they do on all of those and then we make an average Mm. and then um, we give them a mark and then we work with them through that audit to see how they can get better uh, in the year ahead. So you did really well on these things, less well on these, here are some ideas about how you can change, you need to look at your, you know, your sustainable fish supply over here or, you know, your contracts for your employees over here are less good and mm. so that they're always on a sort of challenge to sort of get better. But, uh, um, but uh, somebody looking at the mark knows that it means across across all those categories, they are they're sort of... Broadly, at, they're, they're at, at, at the level. level. So yeah. that was the idea. And and um, our, our great and wonderful present, president, uh, Raymond Blanc, has been a huge supporter of ours. If you go to the manoir in Oxfordshire, as you arrive and your limousine, the door opens, uh, you will see that there is a plaque on the left, which is his Michelin stars, and on the plaque on the right is his sustainable restaurant, the Associated Three Stars. Mm. And my God, he deserves those in terms of the vegetable garden and the proportion of food that is going through there and all the other things he does in terms of training and wonderful provenance of the food. Um, There is someone who is truly passionate about 
the impact that his restaurant has on society. However, people over the last eight years are not that engaged by the purity of one mark. Mm. What they seem to be emotionally engaged by is issues that sit within that. They want to know whether that, yeah, 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 you're three star, but what are you doing about plastic straws? Right. Because I've seen all this plastic in the ocean and I hate it and I want to know that you're doing something about it. And where does this port come from? And, 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 right? Mm. And so actually, what the, the interesting thing is, is that intellectually, I think that our mark is right. Actually, what people want to engage with is, I really actually want to know what you're doing to mm. show me that you give a shit. So they do want to know your relationship with those farmers. Mm. They do want to know where you get that from. They do want to know your position on plastic bottles. And that actually, that's what gives them a stronger emotional relationship. Do you, do you think that's a general, a general kind of mindset? Or do you think that's, that's sort of... Do you think particular consumers have a particular... Well, this is the, own, this is the problem, is that I'm, I'm here and I yeah. care about the whales and I'm over here and I care about, you know, mm. uh, how you, uh, you know, the, the, the farming practices in, in Thailand's um, prawn industry. Mm. So how, how do you do that as a small business? How do I, you know, so our point is we can help you with all of those things. But actually, you've also got to show that you care about all those things in the way mm. in which you behave and what you do and how you communicate that. And... Mm. So, as you, as you said at the beginning, we have actually moved to this position where whilst we still have the audit and you get your one, two, three stars, we also have these campaigns that we run on a sort of month-by-month basis mm. where, for example, um, sort of reducing meat consumption and increasing veg mm. is one of our campaigns. And then we, what we do is we work with each of our members to give them the opportunity to show how they're doing that. So there's lots of room for them to do Mm. it in lots of different ways. So, for example, a whole bunch of our members moved the vegetarian options to the top of the mains menu, and in doing that, they increased the vegetarian uh, orders by about 14 to 16%. Very simple. Actually, the gross profit on a vegetarian um, meal is normally better than than the... and then the GP on a um, on a on a meat based dish. Mm. Um, others said, "No, we're going to go for no meat starters." So all vegetarian. So they all, so you've got to find give people the creativity within that to do it. Again, on um, food waste, there isn't one solution. You know, there's lots of ways which you can tackle food waste in the kitchen mm. with your with your diners or with the the organisations around you and how you're doing that. So and actually, people want to know that. Some people want to know that. Not everybody. So some people go, oh, you're just ramming this stuff down our throats. Other people go, well, I'm not interested in that, and I am interested in that issue. Mm. And so I I suppose I believed in the sort of purity of simplifying it all and saying, don't worry, Mm. Dinah. It's all being looked after. But actually, people don't want that. I think what they want is a sort of messy, funny old world where they really want to know genuinely what you're doing and how you're doing it, and how you're using food and creativity to 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 be to be a place that I want to enjoy my evening. After mm. all, it's an experience. You know, we don't need food from restaurants in the main. No. You know, we're not sitting here trying to satiate our hunger. We can do that in lots of different ways, right? Mm. So, it is an experience, and to have a positive experience. My belief is that you need to have a as guilt-free a experience as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want to think that by you having that meal, that someone else is being neg- negatively impacted from it. Mm-hmm. So if the restaurant can ensure as much as it possibly can, that you going to that restaurant actually is positively impacting on the lives of lots of people all over the world in lots of different ways then I think you're going to have a nicer time. You, you um, spoke recently about the, the role of consumers in driving a more positive and sustainable food sector. I, I yeah. read, read a transcript of this speech anyway. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. I thought I'd just really like to kind of 
talk to you a little bit about it because I think it touched on some things that the audience, the, the people that listen to this might be might be interested in and are, are certainly sort of you know involved in. So I think a lot of the people that are trying to do good things in in the world of food are very. It's a very sort of um, primary concern for them. You know, they're, they're yep. very very involved in the whole world and I'm starting to sort of find it through the people that I'm meeting and interviewing that yeah. sort of thing you know they, they, there's these sort of very committed passionate people um, but one of the things the things that sort of jumped out from, from what you were saying was that um, when you go out and, and sort of conduct surveys if you ask people their opinions about sustainability issues for example they will they will give you an answer generally that these things are very important to them but that doesn't always sort of marry up with the purchasing decisions that they make and that, so that was quite a I don't know I suppose a kind of whole, a cold hard sort of a truth you know something for people to um, that I thought would be worth interesting for some people but also you said food is quite a long way sort of ahead of the curve when you look across sectors you know there, there's something about food that um, uh, you said people do put their money behind the progressive option um, in numbers that, while still small, dwarf green, the greens options, green options in other most other sectors. Yeah. So I just, I suppose my kind of question was, um, why are we so far from these concerns being a sort of major driver of mm. choices? And why, why is the food, why is food ahead of the curve in that way, do you think? Yeah, so it's sort of good and good and a bad story, or a bad and a good story. Let's let's so so, so let me start with um, why food is ahead, and and this is a um, a sustainability rule of thumb, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it, which is the closer to the centre of your body a product or a service is, the more likely you are to give a damn about its provenance and its uh, overall sustainability credentials. Mm. So if you take the baby food market, mm -hmm. 96% of the baby food market or something, I'm not, don't quote me on that, but it's pretty mm. high to 100%, is organic, um, it, the sort of highest end of mm. all the indices, the marks that we have in terms of qualities yeah. relating to food. Why? because we're not giving them that much food, mm. we might as well make sure that we're giving them as good as we bloody well can in order yeah. that we we feel that we're doing our bit, right, mm. for, uh, for our children and for the future. And then take that through to yourself. If you're ingesting the food, mm. you're going to think twice about putting something revolting <laughs> or something of dubious quality in your, in your, you, you in your own body. Yes. Yeah then the clothes that you wear, well, they're touching your skin. Again, there's, there's quite a strong resonance there. And therefore, mm. you, you know, you begin to, uh, you, you care a bit, but perhaps not quite as much as the food you put mm. in your body. And as you go further away from your body, so you care, seemingly, mm. the consumers seem to care less and less. I'm not I don't want to. I don't want to do a kind of a, a game on it because I'm sure someone will say, "What about this? What about this?" Yeah. But fundamentally, I think that rule that yeah. that is the rule of thumb, which mm. is that because we are eating the sort of uh, foodstuffs, we do seem to be able to override our um, uh, uh, price mm. <laughs> and. Um, uh, availability, perhaps, of of some less good um, right. things that are out there, um, but but we're complex individuals, um, and you know we've just been through. We're still in it. You know, ten years of incredibly hard uh, financial um, uh, difficulties for many families, mm. and therefore holding on to values is bloody difficult. And it's certainly not within my uh, right to say that people should. They, they need to um, you know, focus on looking after themselves and, and their families. Um, I, I believe that actually, especially in this country, the baseline of what we're really providing is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you don't go into a Tesco and, and, and get uh, something terrible. Uh, could they be better? Yes. Uh, would, would we be uncomfortable about some of the practices in, in, in battery farming? Yes. Uh, uh, and so uh, there is always a way to go up. But, but, but it's not bad. It's certainly not bad for you 
uh, etc. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think we need to take that within some level. But, but it's how we can inspire people upwards mm. from that. And, and that, <clears throat> for me, is about changing attitudes about what we eat and how we eat it. We don't need to have so much meat in our diet. We can, we can be more creative, give people the skills to be able to, and confidence to be able to eat food in different ways. Um, and you know, we, you talk about being in, in Chinatown uh, as we are now. And I think, funny enough, the, the Chinese, although have got some very dubious practices uh, in, in some areas, but some, what I love about their cuisine is that it's based on the kind of the the kind of the the weight of it is fairly abundant, cheap vegetable uh, mm. um, matter, and then they give it a sprinkle of you know meat on top mm. to to sort of com- to to bring it off. But it's not based on large amounts of of meat, and therefore they're getting the the, the sort mm. of the the health uh, the cost benefit. And the taste that comes from um, a meat-based diet as well, and and I think we've got a lot to learn from the global cuisine in terms of doing that. But I think back to your original point, right? The the good and the bad. So, I think the good is that um, in the food sector, people are making more values-based decisions than they are in other sectors, even with the difficulty that we've had in the last ten years. Um, the challenge for me, and again, being completely upfront about this, I believe that I could get every single restaurant in this country to join the SRA because if people joined it and could prove to diners that they were more sustainable, people would, would you know, vote with their mouths mm. and come into those restaurants more. It is difficult for me to sit here and say, and look you in the eye mm. and say, that what we have done, as I said at the beginning about good business, which is this is about making businesses more successful, it's difficult for me to say that the SRA has delivered a huge increase in footfall for our members. I think it's made better businesses. I think it's made um, more motivated employees. I think that it is um, certainly a, a proportion of the restaurant-going public is supportive of what we do and how we do it, and I think it's been used very well by some of our members. But I think it would be difficult for me to say, yes, the, 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 the number one reason why you would join the SRA is we're going to fill your restaurant day and night with mm. people. And so my challenge, I suppose, to, to your listeners is don't... Um, don't hold back. Ask questions. <laughs> go to the go go to the restaurants. Ask them where food comes from. It'd be a bit annoying, mm. you know. You know, challenge them a bit because if they don't think that anyone's going to challenge them, if they don't think that anyone really cares, then they're not going to think they need to do it as much mm. as as we would want. And so, I do think that there is a role for for diners and and particularly sort of. Uh, diners who, 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 as, as you say, do do good through food, do good through food. You you need to help us do good through food. I can't do it on my own. I can't persuade them if you're not going to play your part. Mm. And 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 so, ask questions. Be a bit annoying. Get out there. To ask where the where the fish comes from. You know. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that will that will in, in help enormously on driving the sort of what we the virtuous circle because if consumers don't respond to this stuff positively, then it's incredibly difficult for us to say why restaurants need to do more of it. Mm. So, please help. And I, the, I, the other sort of I suppose side of what I, what I read in that article was the if people want to do good if, if say sustainability is their sort of is their key value <clears throat> they need to remember that consumers consumers choices are driven by price probably first but then there's quality and and uh, health and those, those yep. things are sort of bigger drivers of of choice so you need to engage people where they are really you need to it needs to be sustainable and whatever you want it to be yes <clears throat> but First, first and foremost, it has to be a great restaurant. It has to be absolutely, and this is an incredibly important point. And um, it, at the beginning of the Sustainable Restaurant Association, we thought, let's do a directory. Mm. 
And increasingly, I felt that I, I didn't want to do that because I think I don't, I personally don't want to go to a sustainable restaurant. I want to go to a great restaurant that is sustainable. Mm. And that's an incredibly important point. So it is a support to being a great restaurant. But you don't want to go to a restaurant that's beautifully sustainable, sit there on your own with no one else there and, 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 and it not deliver the experience that you're after. You want a great, great restaurant that has the, you know, that, that sort of buzz that we all know and love when you get brilliant food, brilliant people, passionate people served by, you know, fun, engaging and engaged individuals to make your evening what you want it to be. All of that held together by a genuine care for where the food has come from, the support for the people in that restaurant and the environment around it and the community in which it's supporting. And I think you feel that when you go into a restaurant. This isn't about sustainability about uh, uh, sustainability by numbers. This is about what you feel when you go there. And I go back to Raymond Blanc Manoir. And, just to be clear, of the 6,000 restaurants, most of them are not ridiculously expensive restaurants yeah. like the Manoir. But I do think the Manoir is a sort of beautiful example. As you walk through the kitchen garden on your way to his restaurant, where you, you see the chef picking the, 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 the lettuces, the herbs, you can see the orchard, and they're using that beautiful, simple ingredients. And then you walk in um, to the restaurant and you get sort of wonderfully fresh, simple food made by some of that produce from people who care passionately about it, are knowledgeable about it, mm. that makes such a deep experience so enjoyable. And that's what I mean by sustainability. I don't mean ticking a box. I mean show your passion, show your belief, show that you care in everything that you do, every sinew of that business. That's what makes a good business. Brilliant. Well, I, I, inspiring stuff, and I think I think that's probably a great place to to wrap things up and say thank you very much for your time. I've really I've enjoyed enjoyed sitting down and chatting with you. If as I have, would you like to um, anybody listening? Would you sort of encourage them to, to a website to look at or to, to go to Food Made Good? Food yeah, Made Good. Food Made Good is the. Um, uh, the sort of front end um, to engage with the Sustainable Restaurant Association. Um, you know, ask your local restaurant if they're part of the Sustainable Restaurant Association. And if they're not, go, oh, you should have a look at it. They do some good things. <laughs> be, right. a, be our army. <laughs> that would be great. There we go. Thanks so much. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Joseph.